what does an encounter with Jesus look like? What did it look like in the Bible when Jesus touched the lives of people? In this podcast, I'm going to be looking at a few of the characteristics found when people had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Welcome to the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Foundations International. Our desire is to equip you with biblical truth to empower you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. For more, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. Now, here's your podcast. I'm Lee Whitman from Restoring the Foundations, and we just concluded our 2023 RTF International Conference here in Nashville. The theme of the conference was Encounter. I encourage you to get the recordings of the messages from that conference if you don't have them already. But here are some of the highlights from the conference. The conference started with Bessie Kilstra sharing the timeline of her amazing encounters with God throughout her life. It was an awesome message. Then Chester talked about living in Goshen. Then my favorite speaker, my wife, Cindy, gave a wonderful message on the power of sowing and reaping. Next was Pastor James Lowe, the senior pastor of Bethel World Outreach in Brentwood, Tennessee. He joined us and had a powerful message on encountering Jesus in your personal life. One nugget that I took away from Pastor Lowe, sometimes God will ask you to leave a good thing for a God thing. Then my pastor, Jared Smith from New Tribe Church here in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, talked about encountering the Holy Spirit. One takeaway from his message was that We're not to live in reaction to the headlines, but in response to the Holy Spirit. Then our amazing worship leader, Ryan Hall, talked about positioning ourselves for encounter with Jesus. Then the teaching pastor from New Tribe, Michael Stevens, talked about encountering Jesus in the prophetic. It was exciting to see how each of these messages fit together to give a full spectrum view of having encounters with Jesus. Well, then I got to conclude the conference by talking about some of the characteristics of encounters with Jesus found in the Gospels. You know, as I went through the Gospels, I noticed three common characteristics when people had personal encounters with Jesus. The first thing was that Jesus' focus is on your future, not on your past. Jesus has the ability somehow to separate your behavior from your being. We live in a shame-based world. Shame's that thing that keeps telling you that there's something wrong with you. Chester Kilstra defines shame as being uniquely and fatally flawed. In a shame-based world, you would get identified by your bad behavior. I'm a failure. I'm dirty. I'm stupid. Now, let's look at how Jesus interacted with different people in the Bible. And I'm going to start with Peter. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And in Luke 22, Jesus talks with with Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail and you, when you have returned, strengthen your brothers. I love that. Here's Peter, who's wonderfully flawed. Now, yeah, he was the only disciple to walk on the water, as Cindy talked about last week in the podcast and took his eyes off Jesus and sank, but he was faithful, but he was flawed. Then you see in Matthew 16, 
that Jesus gives us a picture of Peter in the future. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Jesus speaks destiny into Peter, knowing full well that Peter was going to mess up. He encouraged Peter, knowing what was going to happen in Peter's life. Then a couple of verses later in Matthew 16, 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's purposes, but on man's. I love Peter because I feel like I am wonderfully flawed, much like Peter. Yet every prophetic word that I receive from Jesus continues to speak purpose and destiny into me. I love that about Jesus. You know, the second picture that I want to pull out is about the woman at the well. You know the story out of John chapter 4. Jesus knew everything about her past. Five husbands and the man you now live with is not your husband. Yet even by talking to her, he was focusing on her future and not her past. He shouldn't have even been talking with her. She was a woman and a Samaritan. Yet he valued her and knew what she could become. The facts were that she had made many mistakes trying to get her needs met through men. The facts were she currently was living a sinful lifestyle, living with a man who was not her husband, again, looking to man to meet her needs. Yet Jesus is able to look past her behavior and speak destiny into her life. God's truth is always higher than our own facts. Some of us are facing situations with family or friends where the facts from their past and even what they're doing right now is not what you know it ought to be. Do what Jesus did. Ask Father God what his truth is for that person and begin declaring it into their life. The third picture is the woman caught in adultery, John chapter 8. You know this one. Jesus said to this sinful woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, how could he say to this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery? Because he was looking at her future and not her past. People who've been forgiven much take that forgiveness to heart. Through an encounter with Jesus, this woman's heart was changed, and Jesus could say to her, knowing full well that she could go and sin no more. Now, I guarantee that this woman's life was changed, and she never returned to this sinful behavior ever again. Why? When we have an encounter with Jesus, we're changed. You know, the power of RTF ministry is that the ministers facilitate an encounter with Jesus. I was a Christian counselor for 18 years, and I was able to share wonderful truth with people who came to me for counsel. I had an ungodly belief that it was by me sharing God's truth with people that they'd be changed. (laughs) It's kind of arrogant, isn't it? And some were changed because the truth does set people free. And if I'm really honest, I enjoyed being able to share truth and my great wisdom with people and see some of their lives change. But the real change comes when someone encounters Jesus. When we do RTF ministry, the minister does not need to bring the truth to someone. We set the table for that person to have a personal encounter with Jesus. And as I've said before, when they encounter Jesus, they are changed. All right, last picture is is the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. 
Again, these are famous stories. Zacchaeus was a tax collector for Rome. That made him an enemy of the Jews, even though he was a Jew. He was hated by the Jews. Jesus looked at Zacchaeus's future and not his past. Jesus looked up in that tree and said to Zacchaeus, Come on down, little man. I'm going to your house for dinner. Can you imagine the total shock that Zacchaeus must have experienced? This was a man that was totally rejected and even persecuted by the religious Jewish people of the day. And Jesus wanted to come to his house for dinner. We in the world today have the opportunity to declare people's destiny. I'm going to quote one of the great theological sources of our day, the movie The Lion King. (laughs) Mufasa, the father, says to Simba the son, who'd gotten involved with the wrong crowd because he had been believing lies about himself. Sound familiar? Now, I wish I could say this part in my best James Earl Jones voice, but I don't have that. But Mufasa says to his son Simba, remember who you are. Who you are is not what you have become. That's good theology. That is a message that many of us and the people we know need to hear. Your behavior does not define who you are. Father God defines who we are. Part of RTF ministry is to minister to what we call false identity statements. False identity statements are ways that we define ourselves based on what has happened to us in this world. Now, our Father is so extravagant in the way that He sees us. I love ministering to these false identity statements because we often see when the receiver hears from Father God, He reacts with like, it can't be. That's too good. It can't be true. Well, it is so good that we would never dare say that about ourselves. It can only be a loving father who is looking beyond our failures and calls us what we really are. So the first thing in the Gospels is Jesus' focus is on your future and not your past. That's good news. You know, the second thing that was obvious in the scripture is that Jesus was not religious. In fact, many times it appears that he did things just to stir up the religious leaders of the day. Several times he healed people on the Sabbath. You know, the famous take up your bed and walk healing at the pool of Bethsaida? That was on the Sabbath. And according to the law, people were not supposed to work by carrying their mats on the Sabbath. Jesus would have known this law. But he healed this man on the Sabbath anyways and told him to carry his mat home. Religiously, Jesus should not have been talking to the woman at the well. First, he should not have been talking to a woman and especially not talking to a Samaritan woman. But Jesus' focus was on doing what his father told him to do, regardless of the religious standards of the day. Now, since Jesus only did what his father told him to do, it appears that Father God was not real concerned with the religious standard of the day either. The woman caught in adultery is another picture of Jesus caring more about the woman than about the religious standards of the day. The religious penalty for adultery was stoning. It was pretty cut and dried. And she was caught in the very act, no doubt about it. Yet Jesus does not enforce the religious law of the day. Instead, he offers this woman mercy and grace. And I find it interesting that this woman does not even repent for her sins. She didn't have to go before the church and confess her sins publicly. 
in order to be forgiven, Jesus simply told her to go and sin no more. You know, it's interesting. We did ministry with a guy uh, one time, and we dealt with several different issues in his life. And then we always do a follow-up call. And on the follow-up call, he said he had not, he was rejoicing because he'd not been struggling with pornography since our ministry week. Pornography was not even one of the issues we dealt with. We didn't know he had a struggle with pornography. But he had an encounter with Jesus in such a powerful way that an issue that we didn't even minister to was dealt with. You know, Zacchaeus, the tax collector and a very well-known sinner, no religious leader of that day would have, would have anything to do with him. The people of that day scoffed, and they even criticized Jesus for going into the home of this notorious sinner. Yet Jesus looked at Zacchaeus through the lens of who Jesus knew he could become and not through his past. He did not let the religious criteria get in the way. He went to this sinful man's house, and Zacchaeus' life was changed forever. We consistently see that Jesus challenged the religious and loved and accepted the sinner. Now, we live in a day in which we as the church are going to be presented with some issues that are going to challenge our religious upbringing. How are we going to handle them? Are we going to bring them in front of the church for stoning, or are we going to be able to express the heart of Jesus for these confused people? An encounter with Jesus took people beyond their sins, plus he released them from the religious standards of the day to meet them in a life-changing encounter with him. We have the opportunity to represent Jesus well by allowing God to give us his view of who they're becoming and not according to their current behavior. I believe the reason that people who are struggling with life-controlling sins do not come to church for help is because the church has rejected them because of their sinful behavior. The third thing that I saw in the Gospels is that Jesus did not heal the same way every time. Sometimes he spit on the ground and put the mud in the guy's eyes. Sometimes he just spoke to them and told them to get up and walk. He even sent his healing to someone, and he was not even in the room. If we're not careful, we can get stuck expecting Jesus to operate the same way he's operated in the past. Even when we do RTF ministry, if we ever get in that place of saying, we always do this or we always do that, we're assuming that Jesus will do it the same way every time. And it would be easy to rely on the method, a method that has been very effective for 30 years, instead of relying on the leading of the Holy Spirit. Every encounter with Jesus is different. We need to be flexible and tuned into the leading of the Holy Spirit in order to not miss what Jesus wants to do in each of our ministry sessions. I've been in church services where people act a certain way because that's the way they reacted to the Holy Spirit in the past. They assume that he's going to continue to do it the same way he's always done it. So I want to finish this podcast with a challenge. I believe we, the church of Jesus Christ, is at a crossroads. Are we going to rely on the way church has been done in the past, or are we willing to keep asking God for new revelation? A friend of mine said, the cloud of God is moving, and we need to move with it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. 
thank you for the way that when we encounter Jesus, our lives are changed. That he looks at us according to what we're becoming, not according to our past. That he's not religious, that he doesn't hold us to a religious standard, but he sets us free to be who he created us to be. And that he doesn't do things the same way every time, that we have to be in an intimate relationship with him to know what to do. So Father, I ask that you would take this podcast, that you would take what we talked about today and use it in the lives of my friends who are listening, Lord, to just continue to set us free to be all that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If restoring the foundations has been a blessing to you, would you consider ask, asking Father God if he would have you participate with us uh, by giving a financial gift to Restoring the Foundations? You can go to our website, restoringthefoundations.org, and there's a donate button on the RTF website. Uh, would you just pray about that and consider joining us in this mission to take healing and freedom around the world? Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us on the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast today. We pray you are blessed and equipped with biblical truth, empowering you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. To learn more about the ministry of Restoring the Foundations International, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.